Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Easy Conversations podcast, a podcast about having easy conversations. I'm your host, Furkan Dandia. In this week's episode, I'm excited to welcome Aaron Thorpe. Aaron is an emphatic keynote speaker, writer, and coach for leaders who struggle with conflict, communication, and performance during high stress times. She supports leaders in navigating difficult conversations, building powerful teams, and communicating with empathy so they can lead confidently. Erin has authored Inside Out Empathy, a book inspired by her career and journey as a mother, and explores using the superpower of empathy to build effective teams. Based on her experience, Erin has found that skills often categorized as soft, Connection, empathy, vulnerability are actually the most difficult to learn, but are key to creating leaders who make an impact in their personal lives, their companies, and the world. In this episode, Erin shares her journey of starting off as an engineer and becoming a coach for leaders. In this episode, Erin and I also discuss empathy and we talk about the misconceptions often associated with empathy and how to become more aware of those. We also talk about things to avoid when having a conversation with empathy. Please find all the ways you can reach out to Aaron in the show notes. And if at the end you can leave a five-star review, I would truly appreciate it. All right, Aaron, welcome to the Easy Conversations podcast. I'm super grateful that you've joined me today and I'm really excited about the conversation we're going to have. But before we get started, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about what it is that you do. And um, obviously, you're based in Calgary, so it's very rare that we have Calgarians come on the podcast. So it's always special when that happens. So yeah, before we jump into our conversation, maybe share a little bit about what it is that you do and, and what got you on your journey. For sure. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here. Uh, I, I agree. It's always fun to be guests on somebody from Calgary's uh, podcast as well. So thank you. So I am an engineer turned coach, writer and speaker, which is a bit of an unusual career path, but um, who focuses primarily on helping leaders build empathy skills. Um, I have a background in commercial construction. There was not a ton of empathy around during my most of my career. And especially as I started to move into my own, um, in my own leadership seat. And, you know, a lot of the feedback that I got early on was that I was very emotional and I needed to toughen up and get a game face. And while some of that was probably true in some situations, what I really tried to work on was I took it at very much at face value and thought that I had to become kind of robotic and really, mm. you know, get rid of this part of me that felt deeply and in doing so, in trying to figure out how the heck one does that, what I really discovered was that it was one of the greatest gifts that I had. I just needed to learn how to work with it instead of letting it run me and work against me. Mm. In doing that own work with myself, I then was able to do it with other people on my teams and, you know, that I led and I was, you know, you kind of go, wow, that really had an impact. And why did that work so well? So I got really curious about it. And that's kind of what led me down this rabbit hole of, of really learning how to help people um, and support leaders in this journey to embrace their whole selves, right? Because we are human beings with emotional components. We all mm -hmm. have it, whether we, whether we like to think we do or not, and whether we identify as somebody who has feelings or not, we all, it, it's all a part of us. 
And I think once we learn how to work with it for us and our, our teammates, um, we really do. That's where the magic happens in terms of high performing teams and great deals of engagements and, um, you know, increased morale and increased productivity um, and just greater creativity and innovation. And mm-hmm. what's really great now, sort of seven years later, after I kind of got interested in this is now there's just this a big, huge body of research around the power of empathy um, mm-hmm. in teams, which is largely validating for me because I just kind of started out going, I think this stuff works because it works for me. Yeah. So it's been great. So so how was it for you to kind of make that shift from, um, you know, being an engineer and kind of going into the, the, the field you're in now? And the reason why I ask, it's fairly personal too, but for, for the listeners that know me, I am also an engineer and transitioning into becoming a therapist and I think there's obviously a component of empathy there, which I thought I understood. And as I mentioned to you offline, I was falling short in, in several areas. But how was it for you to, to make that transition? And were there any points of resistance along the way? Yeah, um, I think in short, the word transition is a good one. I often refer to it as sort of, you know, you go in the caterpillar and you get into the messy goo in the cocoon and you come out the butterfly. I'm not sure that I've actually come out the butterfly yet. So I might still be in the messy goo in the cocoon. We'll see. Um, I think we only know that when we look back, but, uh, but it's definitely been a journey. I mean, there's been lots of like sideways glances and why would you want to do that? And, you know, um, a lot of people that can't understand, um, the calling that this is, and I really do feel like it is, it is a calling. Um, I, I remember the moment sitting in my office going, I can continue to deliver projects and I can continue to affect one team at a time, or I have this opportunity and this other option available to me where I can go and start speaking and writing and talking about this and hopefully have a bigger impact on an industry, which is really, you know, my kind of big, hairy, audacious goal, if you will, is is to really change the face of engineering and, and construction as it relates to how we show up as leaders in our emotional beings and really practice this, um, this skill of empathy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I appreciate the fact that you said calling because I don't think a lot of people understand that. Right. And, and that's something I've experienced. And it's hard to put into words sometimes when you're getting pulled in this direction. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's hard to put it into words, but uh what are some of the key things that you like to talk about when it comes to empathy? Obviously, you know, coming from engineering, I can understand a lot of the focus is on goals and tasks and often emotions aren't talked about. And I remember coming in as a, as a new engineer, there was a tons of focus on safety, but there wasn't enough conversations around emotions or Uh, Now the trendy term is psychological safety, but even that, I don't think people fully appreciate what that means. You know, it's, it's almost feels like it's, it's checking a box saying, yeah, you know, we, we try to make people feel safe and they can speak their mind, but I don't know if that's necessarily the case still. Yeah. I think, I really think we are as an industry and as a profession in the messy middle of making this change, this changing of the guard, so to speak, mm. around a very traditional, um, you know, uh, 
problem solving type of, of leadership paradigm uh, to one that actually em embraces and brings in this, this human element into, into our work. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when I went to engineering school, we spent, I mean, they spent four years teaching me how to solve problems the quickest, most efficient way that I could. So when I got out of school and I started to work in the workplace, that's all I wanted to do. We, we, they never taught us that people are messy and mm -hmm. people are part of the problem you're trying to solve. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that in a way that actually meets the needs of the people, you got to embrace this messy part of being human, right? And it's not always pretty. Um, what I love and what I'm seeing now, and I do a lot of work with the undergrad and graduate programs at the U of C here in Calgary um, and in some of the other Western Canadian universities is they're bringing in leadership components into the undergrad degrees, which was never a thing when I went to school. Mm. Um, and so I get to talk to students every year about empathy and we, there's sessions on storytelling and difficult conversations. And it's all the stuff that we know you're going to have to deal with when you get into that first role mm -hmm. that none of the curriculum teaches you how to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. And I think it's great that it's happening at the educational level, because to your point, I didn't really have those conversations in my undergrad, but I think the problem still exists when, you know, as you know, you probably learn about empathy now if you're going to school, but if it's still not being modeled or taught, uh, even, I guess, acknowledged um, or practiced in the workplace, what do people do then? They're, I'm sure they're resorting to some of, some of the uh, cultures that are in their organizations, right? So I think it's a systemic issue. I do agree with you that it's a transition but what do some of the people that you're working with say around that? Yeah, so I definitely, you know, leaders I work with bump up against, you know, the predominant culture that does not embrace this, this emotional component um, and this understanding. What's interesting is once you start to work with it and you start to really understand what empathy is and you do your own inner work to have self-empathy, which is where we need to start, um, the, the seemingly, um, how to phrase this, the outward expression of emotion is a lot less, mm -hmm. um, volatile. So I went from being like this messy, emotional person who had no idea what was going on inside of her because she tried to push down all the emotions all the time. And then they'd come out at the worst possible moment, like in a meeting or in front of the client or right. Like yeah. your boss, um, to now where I can actually recognize earlier, like, oh, there's something going on there. And I can have that, I can do that exploration um, in the privacy of my own home, like, you know, in the evening or in the morning or have a conversation with a colleague, friend or a loved one to explore what's going on. So it doesn't build up like mm -hmm. the pressure cooker anymore. And right. that's really what, that's really the work that I'm doing with these leaders is how do we start to develop your own awareness of what's going on inside you so that it doesn't become a pressure cooker. And then you don't explode all over the team. And then the team doesn't explode all back on you where you can actually have these smaller conversations that are less, you don't ride this big wave all the mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. I think 
The other thing I would like to add, and I think it's something that I've learned through experiences, empathy and learning how to empathize with other people is also a journey in itself, like anything new that you're going to learn. And, you know, I've come along a long way and I still continue to learn new things. And uh, yeah, so I just want to make sure people are aware of that. It's not like one day you decide to oh. demonstrate empathy and you've got it all figured out. You're going to make mistakes and learn from those as well. It's, it is, you know, they often say self-development work is like peeling back the onion and it's layers at a time, but this is definitely that. Like when I started really working on this kind of seven to 10 years ago now, I was, you know, I was like, oh yeah, I'll just build this muscle. But it's, it's, it is, I, I akin it to uh, any physical muscle in our bodies. Mm-hmm. The minute you stop doing push-ups, you stop, you stop building muscle mass. Yeah. The minute you stop doing push-ups, you lose your abs, right? If you stop squatting, you, st- you don't build any quad muscles anymore. Mm-hmm. The same is true for empathy. So it is a practice that we have to get into. It requires work because it is work. It's just like going to the gym. Some people like it, but most of us, you know, it's like, um, it's a necessary evil, uh, to, to maintain our physical health. Empathy is the same way. It's like, we got to practice it to maintain our own inner, um, psychological health and the health of our team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. So what are some, let's probably get it in, right into it. Then what are some common misconceptions that you've come across mm-hmm. when it comes to empathy? Cause I can name a few, but, uh, yeah. yeah. What are some of the ones that you come across? I think, um, well, the one that the first one that just always comes to mind, and I think I bump into all the time that is one of the hardest is, you know, we say that empathy is being able to stand in someone else's shoes and to really understand um, that sounds great, but it is often very hard to understand why other people feel the way they feel, think the way they think decide to do the things that they do. Mm-hmm. And I think more than anything, um, what I've come to say is like, I may not actually be able to understand you, but I can accept that that is true for you. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that the thing you believe or the decision that you took or the action that you did, or the thing that you said was what you thought was very best in that moment. You know, mm-hmm. if that's what you're telling me. And so I think for me, it's, it's, it's understanding, but more so it's acceptance that, Mm -hmm. that this is just because that's really what we're looking for, right? We're looking for this acceptance of who we are. Right. And self-empathy is accepting ourselves for who Mm -hmm. we are in all of our flaws, you know, that we're going to make mistakes, that we're going to have, you know, um, thoughts that maybe aren't as, um, politically correct or, you know, as, as, as noble as we would like to think that we are sometimes. And so how can we accept all the parts of ourselves? And mm-hmm. and then that translates into then accepting all the parts of everyone else. So I think for me, moving from understanding to acceptance has been a big, a big part of my journey. Um, I think a lot of the times we confuse empathy and sympathy, mm-hmm. right? Um, none of us want to be pitied. None of us want to feel sorry for none of it. Right. That's not what we're in this for. It actually, it actually kind of pushes us away when people feel sorry for us. We feel like we have to do something different for them to accept us. Right. Right. And so, um, 
there's often that confusion between empathy and sympathy. And I think the other one that really comes to mind that stands out in a lot of the work that I do is empathy is not fixing other people. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Or their problems. Or right? their problems. Yeah. 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 It's actually interesting. I often in one of my, uh, in, in one of my talks, I'll talk about how, you know, in conversations, especially leaders, it's like they come into these conversations wearing this invisible backpack that they think they need to take all the problems of the people or the team and put it in the backpack and then walk away with this really heavy load. Mm -hmm. So all their problems and issues and concerns go in the backpack, all the teams go in there. And it's no wonder why some of our leaders are really feeling the weight of all of that invisible baggage that they're carrying around. What I, what I like to help my leaders envision is think of it like a bowl that sits on the, on the table where everybody gets to put their stuff into. And at the end of the conversation, we just walk away, right? You could pick out something if you need to, but you don't have to take anything out of the bowl, right? It's around listening and sharing and validating, and then they can just stay there because mm -hmm. for the most part, most of us. If we don't know what needs to be done, we we do have some idea of what could be done, right? Right, And it's the process of verbalizing it and talking about it and having it validated and seen with somebody else that is the powerful, um, the powerful force in those conversations. It's mm -hmm. not the actual act of picking it up and fixing it. Right, right. Yeah. And, and I guess one of the things I've realized is um, we quite often... Like if we, if we're seeking empathy or we feel alone, you know, if something happens, we feel alone. And one of the things I've come across is if you're, if you're really listening to someone, the, the best way to show empathy is to make them feel that they're not alone in it. Right. It's like, yeah, I, I hear you. It's, it's really crappy that this happened or whatever, but it's making sure the other person doesn't feel, and they're not carrying that shame. Um, totally. So, so that's one thing I've, I've recognized and everything you've mentioned too, that's fairly common, right? The, the person who needs empathy in the moment is probably the one who's feeling alone or yeah. shameful, right? So it's being able to help them through that situation by just being present. Yeah. One um, of the other things I, you know, initially when I started training to become a therapist is like, oh, all I have to do is listen. And maybe paraphrase, right? And that's another misconception that I recognized. And uh, for listeners that are interested, one of the things I came across was Brene Brown's book, uh, Dare to Lead. She's got a uh, full section on empathy. And that was eye-opening for me. Uh, the biggest thing that stood out for me in that was not judging. Yeah. So if someone's sharing their story, and if we start judging them, then we're not really showing empathy and we need to look within ourselves of where that judgment's coming from. Cause, cause quite often it's triggering something inside of ourselves, yeah. but at the same time, it's telling the other person that, Hey, I'm being triggered here. And I don't think I'm the right person to be able to listen or help. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Great book recommendation. Um, there's some other, uh, there's some other ones that I I'll maybe send them to you. We can link them in the yeah, show notes um, sure. as well that uh, that I would highly recommend just if people want to kind of dig into more of this topic around empathy. 
Um, so we tend to judge others most harshly where we judge ourselves, but we don't see it until somebody says that to us or, or points that out. Right. We just think that it's, it's a point of view or it's our perspective or how we were raised. But when you start to really dig into the areas that you were most triggered and that you find that you judge the most harshly, it's generally an area that you have to work on softening yourself and really exploring. Um, and that's where that self-empathy comes into play. Mm -hmm. Um, and so every time I am triggered outwardly or, you know, find myself passing some harsh judgment, I'm like, Ooh, there is an invitation to go inside and really look at why do I judge myself in that way? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, parenting is one like parents judge each other all the time. And yes. it's just, we've got this culture of like judging the parents. Well, it, it's like, if you, if you're judging other parents, chances are you're judging your own parenting pretty hard, you know, or how you were parented and you're mm -hmm. carrying around either some shame or some guilt or, you know, these other feelings that are going on. So judgment is a huge invitation into understanding and accepting our own selves um, mm -hmm. so that we can then practice that in relationship to others. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's very important. And that's something you've mentioned a few times is being able to have that compassion or empathy for ourselves. And then once we're able to practice that, we're able to give it to others, but it really starts with us. And I've yeah. noticed that, you know, when I was not compassionate towards myself and I spoke to myself in a negative way, I wasn't really able to help others or, or even listen to them because there was so much judgment coming on or, you know, self-righteous behavior where it's like okay well this person's problems are like either too small or they've created them themselves but it's recognizing that judgment to your point and understanding where it's coming from and and then really working on it before you can offer someone else any sort of empathy absolutely i'm a firm believer that you really it's difficult to take other people where you have never been Right. If you're asking somebody to do something that you have, you are unable or haven't done yourself, it's going to be very difficult to help them get there, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so if, if you want to practice empathy with others, the best place to start is to practice empathy with yourself and to really, you know, um, there's a, a great exercise, um, in some of the training that I've just completed where you, you know, all of us have these really great childhood pictures of at some point where we were like, that's the picture that like captures me, you know, like this is the essence of who I am as a child. And for some people, they feel like they're very connected to mm. that person or that essence. And for others, it's almost impossible to remember who that person was mm. because we have drifted so far apart. And one of the best ways to get, you know, to build this muscle of empathy with ourselves is to just frame that picture, like have it sitting there. And when you hear that voice, like you talked about that really tough, harsh, inner critic judge inside the, you know, that doesn't speak to us very nicely all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, would they talk to that child the same way, you know, and, and what would the voice say to that child? If the child was where you are now, right. Right. Yeah. And that's some of the easiest ways to access empathy is actually through children and pets um, for, for leaders that do have difficulty connecting 
to empathy for others. Like if I'm sitting across the table from a stranger, it might be hard to figure out like, why should I have empathy for this person? Mm -hmm. Um, and so we start some of the exercises we do to start building this muscle is with things that are a little bit closer that are easier to, to access. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. And I just wanted to expand on another thing you mentioned around feeling this need to understand the other person or even demonstrate that. And, and I think one of the biggest misconceptions that I can see is people often feel like I need to feel the other person's emotion. Um, and, and I don't think that's really the case to your point. You, you can uh, perhaps, you know, demonstrate empathy by just acknowledging the emotion they're feeling. But I feel like a lot of people often also get uncomfortable when there's a lot of heavy emotions involved and they don't know what to do, especially if the person's crying or dealing with grief, it makes you on the receiving end uncomfortable because you probably haven't dealt with those emotions yourself inside of you. So absolutely. What are some tips around that when you're dealing with a very difficult situation and you just want to be there for that person, but obviously you can't take on those emotions. So what are some things that people can do in those scenarios? Yeah. Um, so a few things come to mind and I'll try to remember the order in which they're popping <laughs> into my head here. We may have to come back. You know, I think first and foremost, I, I really see emotion as this, um, the, the, the height at which we can enjoy joy, uh, you know, um, beauty, um, excitement, uh, ecstasy, if you want, you know, all of these kind of heightened, you know, what we would call quote unquote positive emotions. I don't, I don't like to bucket them positive and negative. Cause I think all emotions are information, but the height to which we can enjoy those emotions that we want to cultivate in our life is equal to the depth that we can feel some of these other things like anger, resentment, um, grief, sorrow, you know, these types of things that aren't necessarily the most desirable feelings in the world, but they're, they're a part of our makeup as human beings. Mm -hmm. And so if you're somebody that kind of likes to ride this, like stay at zero and not venture very far from the straight and narrow, it's going to be very difficult for you to sit with somebody who maybe goes plus 20 minus 20 or mm -hmm. plus a hundred minus a hundred, right? Because you yourself don't have that capacity. Mm. And then you add in what we talked about earlier, this desire, this human desire to fix people and to solve their problems, especially in our, our, you know, our, our original, um, industry of engineering, which is that we were trained to solve problems like mm -hmm. really well. Um, so to, to, to give permission, that's like, you don't got to solve this problem. You don't got to fix this person. Your job is to witness, you mm -hmm. know, and is to sit there and that's, and it brings me back to, you know, really having some kind of anchoring visual for people going into these situations that they don't have to pick up and solve the emotion. They mm -hmm. don't have to take it home with them. So I always go back to like a bowl or a dish or, you know, you can like pick up the object, but you're not taking it home with you. You're putting right. it back down. Nothing goes in the backpack. We, mm -hmm. we do not show up to these situations with a backpack. Right. Yeah. Right? The, the, it stays there. We witness it. Um, because honestly, if people are feeling these, these, you know, great, big, heavy emotions, 
when you talk to them most often, what they want to hear is just like, I see you, right? I see how tough this is. Mm -hmm. And I will be here sitting beside you for as long as it takes. Right. Yeah. They know they have to get through it on their own. They know mm -hmm. nobody else can do it for them. Mm -hmm. And they're not looking for us to come in and, you know, solve the problem or quick fix it or hero it. There's nothing that can take away those feelings that when right. they're happening. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that bowl analogy. One of the things I've tried to practice, uh, I'm not really good at it yet, but is often asking the person themselves, like, what are you looking for? Like, yeah. how can I show up for you? Whether it's, do you want me to brainstorm solutions? Do you want to just vent? Yeah. Do you want me to offer anything? And it's once you can understand if some, if these conversations are something you struggle with, often ask the other person what they want. So then, because the last thing you want to do is show up in a way that the other person doesn't need. And then it's a complete disaster of a conversation. And, and then now you've lost trust and all kinds of stuff that can come out of that. And then the person, to your point, leaves the conversation not feeling heard and not feeling seen. And there's complete loss of connection. So that's another thing I think is helpful. And it's worked for me when I've tried it. <laughs> oh, it's a great, it, it's a great tip. And it's such an, it's an easy question. It's hard to ask in the moment because we often forget about it because we mm -hmm. go into problem solving mode, but it is it's before I fix the problem in the way I think I should fix it. Let me ask you, what do you need? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think another thing I've mentioned in the past on this podcast too, is as men too, we are mm. uh, naturally inclined to want to fix. Yeah. And, you know, as you can appreciate in, romantic relationships or even in general it's it can be problematic when you know if someone comes to me and I'm immediately trying to fix the problem for them without even fully appreciating their perspective or what they may be going through in my head <laughs> I'm just thinking oh this is a simple solution yeah. no it's true and so um where where that happens if I'm working with a leader who has a leader that wants to fix things all the time um, what I'll often work on them with is building their own muscle to just be able to state what they need up front without mm -hmm. even being asked, right? I'm here because I need to have a conversation with you, but I am not looking for solutions, right? I'm here because I need to have a conversation with you to share how I'm feeling and what's going on. And some of my thought processes, once I'm done, I would love for you to weigh in how, whatever it is you think you need, you know, mm -hmm. um, but just to state that up front, which then gives the other person permission to act accordingly. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and eventually you get to learn how each other processes and how these things work out. I know, you know, my husband is a like go inside and I'll come out when I have it all worked out kind of person. And I'm a, like, I want to talk about it <laughs> and let's, you know, throw some things around, but don't try to solve my problem. I just want to talk about it. And so we have very different styles in processing these things. Um, and so asking for what we need is really important. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, fair and any other tips that you can share that can help people um because you know it's something that we need to practice more of i believe um because there, there's so many conversations that take place day in and day out uh, through even throughout the day and often these conversations require us to demonstrate empathy whether it's with our children our partners our co-workers you name it right so what are some other things that people can keep in mind in these situations? 
Well, I think, you know, you, you touched on it earlier around, you know, we think we're good listeners, but we're listening to solve the problem still, right? We're listening to respond, not listening to be influenced. I think it goes beyond listening to understand. I think it's actually listening to be influenced. So if your children, if your team members, if your partner, if your colleagues or whoever, you know, all of these day-to-day conversations that you're talking about, if they bring you something that they want to talk about, how can you listen in a way that will actually influence your own thoughts mm. and your own um, perspective, right? Because if you can be influenced, if you can put yourself in that position to be influenced, you're more likely to actively listen. You're going to be more curious about what they're saying. You're going to ask open-ended questions. You're going to do more exploration, right? You're not just going to launch into, well, I think I've heard what you said and here's the issue. Here's the solution, mm. right? It's going to be much more kind of co-created. Um, and in doing so, that is the skill of empathy, right? Of being able to accept what is true for them and mm. to really hear them out, witness what they've gone through or seen or feel. Um, and then you can use that question that we just talked about earlier around like, what do you need from me? Right. How can I best support you through this? Yeah. And maybe yeah. it's just as simple as the conversation that you've had. Um, maybe there is something that they want you to do, but it's not presuming to know that we have the answer already before right. they've even finished explaining what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And as you were sharing that, another thing came to my mind, because I think uh, another thing we do when we're listening, quote unquote, is we'll often hear the other person's problem or whatever they're sharing. And I think it's on an unconscious level, but it's our intention is to connect, but we'll try to one up the person where it's like, oh, yeah, that happened to me, too. Um, and I went through this exact experience or whatever, right? Or that's not that bad. What happened to me was worse. And immediately, even if you're trying to make the other person feel better, it goes back to, to what you said earlier that this person now doesn't feel seen or heard. And immediately the whole, I guess the objective there is gone. Like you've shut that conversation down. Yeah. I often talk about intent versus impact. So our intention in these conversations is to build connection and to um, build understanding and trust, but our impact when we do that, when we compare and minimize and, you know, one up each other is we drive disconnection. Mm. Right. And so your intention is great only if it matches your impact. Right. Most of us, 99.9% of us have great intentions most of the time, mm -hmm. right? Like mm -hmm. we do, we want to build relationship, deepen trust, have connection. Often our intent, our impact falls short. And so pay more attention to the impact you're having on people because that's where, um, that's what they remember. They don't remember your intention. Mm -hmm. They remember the impact you had in that conversation. So if you can get those two to align, you're well on your way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just to add to that, I think the other piece I've experienced is if you're listening, you don't necessarily have to agree. And I think that's part mm -hmm. of another issue where people see, feel like, oh, if, if this person's sharing something and I don't agree with it, I should let them know. Well, maybe not in the moment and you don't necessarily have to agree, but you could still listen. Right. And it's their experience. You don't have to. Chances are you will never agree because it's their perspective, their experience, and it's always going to be different than yours. 
but yeah, that's another thing I feel like often comes up. Pick any uh, culture, cultural, socially, you know, relevant topic today, you will find that you have to sit with people that have diametrically opposed opinions about something. The pandemic was a great example. There's, mm -hmm. there's hundreds of examples in the news today about, yes. you know, opposing opinions around, around social and, and um, cultural issues. It's one of the best places to practice empathy because you mm -hmm. have to sit there and this is why I go back to like, are you really understanding, right? We're not agreement. Agreement was long gone. We don't have to agree. Understand or just accept that this is true for this person, right? Vaccinated, unvaccinated, you name it. There's been all kinds of opportunities for these conversations over yeah. the past couple of years. And they're going to continue to be there as we as our world increases in its, you know, global perspectives and, and the information that's being shared, there are going to be lots of opportunities to practice acceptance and understanding. Yeah. And I think it's recognizing that it's part of the shared human experience, right? And, and one of the things that's worked for me is often trying to find not a, a place of disagreement, but a place of where there's commonality. And if the other person is perhaps discouraged or disappointed or feeling uh, emotions where they're hurt, you can at least find some commonality there where you've experienced that in the past. So then that takes you away from the, the actual context of the situation and you're not focusing on something that you disagree with, but you can actually uh, appreciate that human experience that the other person's going through. Absolutely. And the only way we can do that is if we do that work on ourselves to connect to those emotions that we've got. If you're somebody that has been trying to shove them down like I was for so many years and not feel them, it's going to be very difficult for you to connect on a feeling on a feelings level with anybody in a conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and that's... it's going to feel scary because <laughs> yes. you haven't allowed yourself to do it yet. Absolutely. So how am I supposed to do this with another human being? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point. And thank you for adding that. Um, no, this has been great. I really appreciate you again, coming on oh. here and sharing this and having this conversation with me. Um, like I said, empathy has been something <laughs> I thought I had, but it's always humbling to know that there's always something new to learn. And I felt this yep. was a conversation that was definitely needed. And you alluded to some of the things we're experiencing as humans right now. And probably one of the best ways to approach it is through empathy. So um, I appreciate you sharing that as well. But uh, for listeners that do want to get a hold of you, uh, what are some ways they can do that, whether it's social media or online? Yeah, that's great. Um, so everything's on my website at www.aaronthorpe.ca. Uh, no e and uh, social media, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, yeah, those are kind of where I hang out. Cool. I will share all that in the show notes as well, including some of the readings that you yes. will recommend. Yes. But uh, again, thank you so much for coming on and uh, doing this. Thank you for having me. It's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you for tuning in to another episode as always, please subscribe to the podcast if you enjoy the episodes or leave a comment in the comment section. I always love hearing from you. Thank you again and until next week.